Hello and a big welcome to all of you out there and a big welcome to Jen, Jenna Williams uh, from UK. I'm so glad to have you here today uh, and I'm excited to hear about your life, how you started with horses and, and what you are doing today. So uh, please tell us a little about that. Hello everybody. So I'm based in the UK and I'm actually fairly new to the industry, although I have been riding all my life. I began riding when I was around about four years old because um, financial difficulties, never owned my own horse as a child or a teenager, um, stayed within riding schools. I spent every single weekend all through primary school, high school and college helping out my local stables and just sort of getting into everything there. Um, after college, I had my family and I took 10 years off from horses. And then when my children, I mean, my eldest is now 16, when she was about eight, she said, oh, I think I want to ride a horse. <laughs> so it all sort of went downhill from there or uphill for me, because as well as paying for three children to have riding lessons, Ooh. <laughs> I got back into it myself. And within a year, I had started my coaching pathway. And now seven years on, I am working full time with a therapeutic riding centre after working at two riding schools. I also do some freelance coaching to able-bodied riders as well. Wow. Yeah. And, and what do what do you do in, in these uh, circumstances? <laughs> <laughs> so with my, my current position, I am a paid coach, but working full time for a charity. Uh, my journey with the RDA, the Riding for the Disabled, began in 2019 when I saw an advert in our village newsletter asking for volunteers. And I thought, well, I've got a day off a week. Let's let's go and see what that's all about. I'd heard very good things about the RDA and what they do. So I went along and I said, look, I'm already coaching. I'd love to do this. And I was the youngest coach they had. <laughs> a lot okay. of the volunteers were a lot older due to being retired and just, you know, having a, a day or so a week free to do things. So mm. I went along and had this most incredible mentor who showed me the, the RDA way things to do everything that we do rather than sort of the British Horse Society and everything we've been doing within riding schools. And then COVID happened about, we went into lockdown a week before I was going to do my coaching assessment, which was typical. So I'd spent about a year, nearly a year and a half, um, coaching my disabled clients with supervision, went to go and do my assessment, and then we went into lockdown. <laughs> um, when we eventually were able to open up, it wasn't until September 2021 due to obviously the clients that we have in are classed as severely vulnerable. So it was a long time. It was a year and a half before we were able to open our doors once again. So week after we opened, got my coaching certificate and it's all been go from there. I began coaching an extra day a week and then a job came up. Uh, they were looking to hire a full-time paid coach. Okay. So I thought, oh, you know, this, this is perfect. They wanted somebody with qualifications much higher than the ones that I already had. 
So I thought, well, let you know, I'll just I'll apply. And then the yard manager, she said, you know, you really should apply. Mm-hmm. Okay. So went for the job and I got it. And that was that was 15 months ago now. And so my day to day work, I go into work, we do some meeting and greeting with with our participants. Um, and at our centre, we don't just do riding, we do incorporate carriage driving. So we may have riders or participants who aren't able physically to ride a horse that could be through disability, through mental health, or it could be through something quite as simple as weight. So if they're not able to ride, we teach them to carriage drive. Uh, We have three carriage driving horses and they can just go out for a pleasure ride or they can progressively learn how to drive a carriage. The same with our riders. It could be a therapeutic ride where they're just riding for the physical therapy to get the movement in the hips and a bit of exercise that perhaps they wouldn't get anywhere else. And then if neither of those two are suitable, or perhaps if it's at somebody if somebody is really struggling and they may not for whatever reason be able to ride or carriage drive, we offer equine assisted therapy, which is probably my most favourite part of the week. Using the horses for whatever the participant needs, whether they just need a cuddle and a stroke whether they're brushing or whether or not we give them some exercise by getting them to lead the horses around and do a bit of agility and things like that. Mm. So we also deal a lot with the care of the horses. Um, We are primarily a volunteer run centre. Over 95% of the people that come and visit us and help are volunteers. There's five of us on staff currently, Uh, but we do sessions six days a week. Wow. How many horses do you have? We have 11. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose they also should have their care. Um, but but do the the students help with that or, or you have uh, special uh, people to, to take care of the horses? So as well as myself, so as well as being a full-time coach, um, we do have two part-time grooms who alternate days but then evenings I'll do an evening or I might do a morning as well so we all we all kind of share sort of the day-to-day care and health of the horses and the welfare between us um, and then we have a lot of volunteers who perhaps are more interested in the equine side that will come and help us with the general care I mean we we're very very strict with our poo picking we poo pick twice a day just to just keep on top of everything and just obviously first and foremost is the welfare of our horses because Mm. without our horses we cannot run any sessions we have 80 participants who ride with us every week we have 35 currently who carriage drive and I've got another between 20 and 30 who um, do the equine therapy courses so if we don't have our horses then we can't run our center no I understand yeah what what kind of horses do you have? Is it uh, different horses or? We've got a really good mix. So our our oldest horse, um, she's actually retired now. So all she does, she does equine therapy. She's very good at it. She is eleven hands and thirty one years old. She is Ooh. incredibly opinionated, <laughs> um, <laughs> but she's utterly wonderful. Um, out of all of the horses there she's the only one that's actually successfully had me on my backside when bringing her in from the field because she is typical typical pony 
Um, and we also, we have a very young horse as well. We have a horse that we actually broke in ourselves on the premises because I don't know about everywhere else in the world, but in the UK during lockdown, prices of horses just rose sky high. Mm -hmm. And for something that we would have wanted, we probably would have paid over 10,000 pounds for. Yeah. So we we brought um, we purchased an unbacked four year old um, Shire Cross Warmblood who is now officially on our license. So she's being ridden by us at the moment and being incorporated into our riding sessions, so she can get used to everything. But she's absolutely wonderful under saddle now, and we have started using her the last two weeks for our equine therapy classes, which she has taken to just like a duck to water she is fantastic you know she's not quite seven and she's a big girl she's um she's 16 three but she's absolutely wonderful mm. then we, we have a really good range um some of our horses are actually loaned to us from people for any any reason at all mm -hmm. um they may just want a good home for their horses we have one in particular who used to event um, but due to an injury, she's no longer able to do that. So now she comes and does riding with us. Again, we've got this huge, powerful 17-2, who perhaps if she wasn't with us, she'd be a very expensive field ornament, or she probably wouldn't be on the earth anymore. No, no, that's right. Yeah. And then we've got three horses that both ride and carriage drive as well. So it's a really good mix. We, we've got everything from 11 hands up to 17-2 all different there I mean so the oldest is 31 youngest is six and then average age usually between 10 and 12 the others yes they're all relatively young <clears throat> uh, you have also physical physically handicapped with the people uh, do you have anything to help you to get them on the horses or how do you do that so we're all trained in slightly unconventional ways of mounting people um at our center we we're not fortunate not sorry not fortunate enough to have a hoist um some riding for the disabled centers in the uk do have hoists to allow so we do have to evaluate our riders before we start mm -hmm. so perhaps if we're not able to physically get them on the horse then we would offer carriage driving or equine therapy um but the way we mount our riders is we have a raised gallery or a raised block where they get on from so there's chairs and then we bring the horses into a channel so that really all they have to do is step over onto the horse yeah other centers they have sort of a graduated block which sort of starts off low and goes really high so again with the varying sizes of horses it makes it easier for people to mount yeah. uh, lots of riders will also dismount to this block as well because obviously mm. some of our horses are huge yeah um, we also have, if we have a rider that perhaps has cerebral palsy, we have an eye joy, which is sort of like a mechanical horse. So they may mount this first and have a have a trot just to loosen their hips up and that will then aid them getting on. We are allowed to offer a little bit of physical support, but we have to obviously be careful. We have carers as well that will also assist them getting on if need be. But we, we do try and make it as accessible as possible. But if we get to the stage where somebody isn't physically able to mount, then we'd, we'd probably offer them carriage driving instead because we can't physically lift no. somebody onto the horse safely. But I can imagine uh, there's a lot of happiness there. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> so when I when I was a volunteer, it was honestly the best part of my week, just seeing the difference, mm. whether it be we've got a group of a group of school children from a from a send school come in and they may just be doing stable management, they may just be brushing, but the sheer delight mm. on their faces when they're with the horses. And even if they're doing something as trivial as this week, we're going to pick some poo up out of the fields. Yeah. You get the, you get the, I'm not doing that. I don't want to pick the poo up. But then they do it. And they're like, this is great. Out in the air. And then with the riders as well, just knowing that that possibly might be the only part of exercise they get that week. And they get off and they're able to move slightly freer than usual. Mm. Um, I do have one particular participant and she won't mind me talking about her. But when she when she came riding with us, she used to ride as a child. But because of her disability, she was really stiff. And we honestly did not think that she'd ride for more than five minutes at a time mm. because it was so difficult for her to get on. But we matched her with a perfect pony um because she's very petite this young lady we matched her with our um with our 12-1 Shetland cross who was very easy to get on and off and we did not think that Isabel would be doing what she's doing now so she is about 15 months into her returning to riding journey and this was this young lady who used to have a leader in two sidewalkers so she used to have assistance on either side of her leg just a little gentle and underneath her heel to keep her lower leg still and to keep her balanced. This young lady is now riding off the lead rein in trot. Um, so riding has given her her core back. It mm. has given her balance. She is able to use her legs to ask the pony to move forwards. We've done a lot of extra training with the pony as well, who now primarily will go with voice aids. But for Isabel, the difference that this has made to her just the half an hour session every week and mm. every week she grows stronger and stronger and stronger and seeing how much it's also helped her mental health as well because she was not in a good place when she started coming to us and I think the thought of failure because mm. she was desperate so desperate to get back on a horse again but she was so worried that she wasn't going to be able to do it and that she was going to fail but now that she's doing it and every week the improvement that first week that we took her off the lead rein was just immense, just seeing she's doing it and the pony was amazing. And yeah, it every day there's there's something like that that happens and whether or not it just be a smile or you might have a, a rider who has no communication, but you might just remember get a bit of eye contact mm. when you ask them something. So just seeing the difference the horses make as well. Um, twice a week, I run a group. We call it Tea with a Pony. And it is for people who are living with dementia. So we've since opened it up as well because a lot of the care homes that bring some of the residents, they, one of them said, oh, we've, we've got this lady and she's, she's an end of life, like sort of hospice care for stage four cancer. Yeah. She used to ride. Can mm -hmm. we bring her? I said, absolutely. Bring her, bring her. She came and the stories that she was able to tell us from her life from when she used to ride and compete was just it was crazy um and just the joy she was having 
you know, it took a lot for her. She was absolutely physically exhausted after the 20 minute session that she had with our equines. But she said, this might be the last chance I ever get to stroke a horse. Yeah. And then we've got we've got the people living with dementia and the care homes aren't sure how they're going to react when they bring certain residents. But they often um, will look in their memory books. And if there's a mention of horses, whether or not they'd be t- they're taking a child riding when the child was younger or if they used to live on a farm, they'll bring them to see how they get on. And sometimes the carers will say, wow, we, we did not know this because stories will start coming out. Hmm. And again, just the calm that the horses bring. Yeah, it's the, it's the energy that's yeah. coming out from the horses. And I can imagine as well, if I'm getting old and and uh, somebody takes me to the horses, uh, just the smell and and mm. and the yeah the sight of a horse, it, it do it does so so much for people. Yeah, it does. Um, so when the position came up, I was I have to had to take it because I get to be in my favorite place, you know, all the time now. I mean, I, I was working in a riding school, so I was I was teaching eight hours a day, mm. all varying, you know, varying from complete beginners to experienced adults. And I do miss that to an extent. I miss how busy it was and how how different it was every day. But with the RDA and with the, ther- the therapy rides, it's so, so rewarding. Mm. Um, I don't know if I could do anything else now. I still, I still do teach. I still freelance and still go to people and teach them. But the therapy rides now is such a different way of thinking about things and thinking about how you could affect somebody's life. Mm-hmm. And also, I, I could do an entire lesson in walk now. <laughs> you know, all the different things that you can do at a walk with a horse, yeah. even if you have. A disabled rider who perhaps done a lot of riding in the past but now has had to sort of tone down and use it more as a therapy ride for physical therapy mm-hmm. the amount we can do at a walk is incredible and that was something as a young coach before sort of in my sort of early years you know you go three paces you warm up you do your walk trot canter might put some jumps up mm-hmm. a bit of lateral work whereas now yeah I could run a whole session in walk because yeah. that is what we do and it is groundwork that is so important. Mm. We went to a coaching conference. So every year the RDA runs a coaching conference and we go and we share ideas and we we pick up new legislation. Obviously, everything is changing all of the time. And last year we went and we we don't canter as a rule in our sessions. But to be fair, I've never had a rider that would have been capable of cantering, let alone the horse. So like I said, our horses are sometimes recovering from injuries or they're quite young. Um, we don't have anything that I would say was sort of like a, a ploddy, you know, kick along what you'd perceive, I suppose, as a horse that'd be suitable for riding for the disabled or like a, you know, an ancient riding school horse. We don't have any of those. They're all fairly forward. Um, but we watched this canter workshop and the coach in the center had trained the horses to go up and down to voice aids into canter and back down again with a raise and a fall of the hand. Mm. So um, I am fortunate enough to have some of our RDA horses on loan, um, one of which is the pony I mentioned earlier, the, the Shetland Cross, who four years ago when I took her on was an absolute nightmare and she was probably going to be sold because she was becoming a little bit unsuitable for RDA work. Mm. 
Um, my daughter has helped me with her and now this pony is riding away so beautifully. So with Fizz, this lovely little pony, uh, I did a lot because I'm too big to ride her. I was doing a lot of groundwork with her. I'm a massive fan of agility. I did some horse agility exams um, during lockdown because we were able to video them and send them in. Um, also a big fan of Monty Roberts, so like a bit of join up. So I've been doing a lot of work with Fizz anyway. So I thought, OK, right, I'm going to see if I can get this pony to canter on command. Mm -hmm. Took me about five weeks and yep, she'll go up to my voice, down to my voice. Then we started just incorporating a raise of the hand. And now every time she goes around, if I'm free schooling, she's always got one eye on the centre, always one eye on me. I was able to then do this with my daughter on board with no tack. Happened again. I then had um, the daughter of one of my volunteers who actually I used to teach in my previous job. She came in. I said, oh, come on, come and come and have a ride on Fizzy today. So little girl got on and then realised that Fizz is a little bit more forwards going than the ponies that she's used to. Couldn't figure out quite where the brakes were. So after a couple of entire laps around our arena in Canter, Kitty says, I really, really can't stop. Couldn't figure out, could not figure out where the brakes on this pony was. So I managed to go in the middle. Fizzy woe. Trot, walk into the centre, halted at my shoulder. And that was just such an achievement. So now I'm actually working with three other, three more of our horses because I've now got riders that are becoming more progressive. And I've got some riders that will be cantering very soon, but I need to make sure that I've got that control in the middle from these horses. Anything is possible. And being able to train the horses in this way has been incredibly helpful because it means now that we're actually able to offer more to our riders rather than before if we had riders that were progressive we were perhaps having to send them elsewhere and say you know if you wish to progress further if you want to canter if you want to do this then you're going to have to go to abc yeah whereas now i'm hoping within the next i think six months that's my aim is to actually be able to have a group of riders who are working in canter who can do a wonderful dressage test that we can take to our national championships. It's, it's going to be great. I'm very yeah, excited. That's fantastic. Yeah. But you, you shouldn't meet a friend and say, hi, <laughs> in the middle. <laughs> Something will happen with the horse. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, at the moment, it's, it's just, if, if we have can, if we have canter groups, it's, it we just one horse and at the moment Fizz will only do it to me. Yeah. <laughs> she, she knows I'm mum at the moment, so she looks at other people and she's like, What are you doing? <laughs> um but yeah, I'm hoping in the long run that there'll only be I think there'll only be two of us that will be operating the canter classes just because of more experience. So to become an RDA coach, um you don't actually need any qualifications because we, we give full training. Um we have coaches, just these most amazing coaches who just have such this such passion for the work. So we give everyone full training. Um, they do have to have a little bit of horsey experience, obviously, but they don't necessarily have to have coaching experience. And then we'll be able to give them their groups or their participants as per their experience and you know how well they do. So we've got 
one in particular one coach who she like she prefers working with the children because in her like day job she's actually a teacher mm-hmm. so she works with me on a Wednesday evening and she is amazing with these children she's just so 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 brilliant and I've got another coach who prefers to work with adults mm-hmm. and, and there's my, myself and my and our head coach Victoria and we will deal with the sort of slightly more progressive riders as well as the riders perhaps with slightly more physical and mental needs who perhaps need a lot more support. And we often sort of tag team and coach together. Um, we've got a we've got a particular we've got a, a two rider group pair. Uh, one lady is 84 years old and profoundly deaf. And the other is a gentleman with cerebral palsy. And we start the lesson together break away and then end up joining up just so we can give them the one-on-one attention they need mm-hmm. and primarily I mean we usually have groups between four and six participants depending on who they are uh, if they're coming mm-hmm. from like a, a care center or if they're coming with parents or carers or if they're coming with father's school it really depends I'm just so thankful that because of the center that we have and because of the like I said we're volunteer run we are a charity we're non-profit we are we can operate only because of donations and because of fundraising um and we're so lucky to have such a incredible center and incredible facilities that a lot of us a lot of rda centers don't have mm. so we're able to offer a little bit more now which is brilliant particularly since taking on uh, myself and my colleague last year yeah. We're now able to open up. We've, um, we've we've doubled the amount of participants we can take in a, in a week, which is great because it's more money for the charity. Yeah, which means that we can do more and offer offer more services. And as you say, with with all the different coaches, it's fantastic that when people get to do what they like, it will be doubled up. It's just so good for for everybody. It's incredibly rewarding and it's it's nice to go home with a smile on your face. You know, even if sometimes you might have, you might may feel the lesson may have gone dreadfully, something might have happened. Perhaps you didn't get the engagement. Perhaps someone didn't want to get on this week. Perhaps it was an, just an absolute nightmare. You know, think of any scenario, anything from just not mounting to actually having a fall. Thankfully, doesn't happen too often, but it, it still, it does happen. You could have the worst day, but then you go home and don't think, actually, we have made a difference today. Mm. The horses are happy. The participants are happy. It's not always going to be perfect. But that's, that's the same in regular coaching, I found. I, I had days when I was at the riding school of days where I just went home and I thought, why am I doing this? Mm. <laughs> because... <laughs> Particularly if if you've had a, a complaint or if someone has decided, no, I don't like that coach. And that that's absolutely fine. You know, we don't get on with everybody, do we? But I went home sometimes and thought, why? Just why am I doing this? But with the RDA, I've never felt like that. I've never thought, yeah, this isn't for me. Perhaps mm-hmm. I shouldn't be doing this. Whereas I think that working within a riding school, I think because I started my career a bit later, I was well into my 30s when I started teaching that a lot of the parents initially would think, oh, she's older, she must have been doing this for some time, mm. compared to the 20-year-old coaches. Yes. And then they'd be like, well, why can't you do this? Why can't you do that? I'm like, well, because I'm still training. Yeah. Oh, well, we thought you were highly qualified. It's like, well, 
I will be one day, but you know, you have to start somewhere because I didn't start at 18, mm. like some of our colleagues. I came into it later. Obviously, I, I think sometimes having that break really helped. I had a lot of horse experience when I was younger, yes. but never that of teaching. I just knew sort of the old school ways. So I came into it remembering all the old school ways that I was taught and coaching styles definitely have changed over the last 30 mm. years. Particularly in this country, and I still feel myself as quite old school. Like when my my daughters learned to ride at, at riding school, they wouldn't have a clue what sort of riding school drill was. You know the language that's used. Whereas I went in and started straight away using the old language. Um, I teach one day a week at a small riding school nearby, just a bit of freelance work, and I was amazed at. The amount of people that have been riding for perhaps two years had not been taught their trot diagonals. And that is one of the first things that I would teach. If I'm teaching somebody to rise to the trot, after they've got that rhythm, I'd be like, okay, right, we're going to try it differently now. We're going to learn our diagonals. You're going to rise mm. when you should be. But these kids who were cantering and jumping did not know about their trot diagonals. And for me, that was just because it's such a different way of doing it now yes. I think some people in their riding are rushed it's uh, was... there, there's a lot of quick fix yeah, yeah. I mean the, my first day at this new place I had a had a client and all the lessons are 30 minutes is very simple just 30 minute boom 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 30 minute lessons and this kid could not do a decent sitting trot so he's the canter transitions were, were a mess. Mm. So we worked on that a little bit, didn't really get anywhere. And then we finished off with some poles. So then the, the boss came marching in because the mother had complained because the child hadn't been over any jumps. And I said, well, I'm really not comfortable with him jumping because he can't canter properly. No, no, he has to finish on jumps, have to jump. So she came into my, into my session and she just, pop these jumps up and this child jumped the jumps yeah I was a bit horrified um yeah. I am pleased to say this child now has a good canter seat and he's jumping very nicely but it was more the fact that yeah he'd been riding about three years but he was expecting to be jumping 70 centimeters mm. even though he could not release he couldn't have a can to see. He was trotting up to these jumps and we had placing poles in front of these jumps and she'd whacked this upright up to about 60 that day. And he just got so left behind. He nearly came off. No, he must finish with jumping. No, he's used to jumping. He's jumping. And his mum was not going to be happy until he'd gone over these fences. And, yeah. and you can imagine what, what this does to the horse. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we we know that a lot of a lot of riding school horses have, have worked quite hard, aren't they? And mm. you know, I've got no, this this horse is a great great little horse, um, really fit. They look after the horses really well. But yeah, I mean, I'm a firm believer of when I teach an able-bodied person or child to ride, they don't get their reins in trot until they can rise the trot with their hands on their head, mm. because. I absolutely hate seeing kids just like riding and rising like this. And I've seen it yeah. so many times when going to teach new people, they don't know their diagonals, 
the right they're rising too high and they're rising with their hands as well and yes yeah, so i'm like well you don't get your reins until until you can do it properly you, you be or you stay on the lead rein mm. you start with your hands on the saddle progress to hips finally on head and when you can do two laps around the arena on the lead rein with your hands on your head rising to the trot then you can start having your reins because that way I know I've got longevity in the horse because the horse isn't going to go sour because it's not being yanked in the mouth five times every five seconds. Yeah. But I'm starting to get that progress in those lessons at that particular establishment. But yeah, it drives me up the wall how sometimes people are rushed, I think, because a lot of the time it is about the money now mm, yes. within these establishments. And everything is going to be uh, fast 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 use yeah. your phone your fast cars fast ponies yeah. <laughs> I, I found it's it's a lot now children in particular and you've seen us sort of on social media on tiktok instagram you have it's it's all about how high you jump hmm. it's all about the jumping um you get a lot of well you're only jumping 50 you can't be that good hmm. And the amount of times I said to kids, it doesn't matter how high you jump. I'd rather see you ride a beautiful course of 40 centimetres than you just whacking a horse over one single fence of 120. Mm. I said, be having the ability to ride a course well is much better than pointing your horse at a big jump and jumping one jump. Yeah. And it, it's so difficult for them to understand because, I mean, I... You know, when we were younger, there would not have been social media. And probably when we were in our riding lessons, the jumps weren't even measured. They were just put up. And it wasn't a big competition as to how high you could jump. Mm. Whereas now, definitely, there's a big stigma between, well, if you don't jump, you're not very good. So it's, it'd be nice to kind of make a change to that as well. Um, yes. really? I, I think with, with social media, I know a lot of riding schools now, uh, one that I used to work at, have actually banned the use of phones in the sessions um parents are requested and the onlookers are requested not to use their phones and not to take videos or pictures mm. they're allowed to take a video at the end or a picture at the end of the session but not during not during lessons which mm. in some respects is a shame because I think it's really beneficial for a rider to be filmed and they can watch back so they can say okay I, I can see why the coach has said that I can see why this is happening oh I, yeah my hands they're not very good yeah I can see what went wrong so that if sometimes that can be detrimental to someone's improvement if they can't watch back and actually see well this is why I've been told to do something this way because this is happening but in the same the same time I think that it's a good thing because some of the riding schools do come under fire for practices I I, I heard of one riding school that had a complaint put in against them because there was some some poo in, in the arena, like I think three piles of poo and it was videoed and it's like, oh, well, they, they don't care because there's poo. I mean, and having worked at a very busy riding school, sometimes there's no one available to come and come and pick that up for you. Oh. So I do, so that respect, I do understand why perhaps saying, okay, well, we don't want to get into trouble for, for trivial things like this. Or perhaps if something is caught on camera, if there's a fall or if there's something went wrong and it ends up on social media, mm. it could be really detrimental to that riding school. Yes. And for the kids also. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, I've seen 
videos on TikTok with children being bullied because of videos that they haven't given permission to be posted, mm. posted, and then you've got all like the little trolls all ganging up and telling how dreadful they are. Yeah. I'm so glad in the RDA we don't have much of this. <laughs> it's 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 very, very, very different. It's a very different story yeah. when it comes to RDA. And you can learn to write without a, a phone. We did that in old times. Yeah, we did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, but I, I do I do believe that being videoed, I, I like to be videoed when I write because mm. I like to, I like to then pick up myself and say, what are you doing? And I constantly film my children because then they, they can see their progress. Mm. I mean, my eldest, um, she's just left high school and she's actually started an apprenticeship, um, an equine apprenticeship with, with an eventer in a venting yard and so she's riding two or three times a day and every time she's being filmed mm. just so she can see the progress yeah obviously lots of different horses um so in some respects it's great but yeah you're right we yeah. learned to ride without phones we went and we had our lessons and we had our horses and mm. we just got on with it yeah yeah that's fantastic and if uh, someone would like to get in touch with you, where can they do that? Uh, you can find me on TikTok. Um, that's probably the easiest place. TikTok, I'm riding 101. Um, I do tend to reply to comments on there. Um, that is, you'll, you'll look on there, you'll find it's mostly sort of my daughter's riding journeys and a little bit about what I do. Um, and then if you're interested, I can pop you, I can pop you message on Facebook or something. Um, or on Instagram, I'm Gemma Williams 1303. I'll also get DMs and things on there as well. Uh, if anyone is interested within the UK for with riding for the disabled and anything that we offer, if you go to rda.org.uk, if you're interested perhaps as a participant or if you know somebody who you think would benefit from our sessions, um, it's not just physical disabilities, you don't even need a formal diagnosis. Uh, we don't ask for proof, um, but we physical, mental, um, mental health issues, dementia, eating disorders, everybody all under that big RDA umbrella. There'll be something for everybody. And perhaps if you'd like to volunteer, again, rda.org.uk, there's a section you can find your nearest centre and you can offer to help. Um, it's incredibly rewarding. We're always on the lookout for coaches. Um, RDA also offers vaulting, so if you've got any experience in vaulting, I know a lot of centres are wanting to introduce vaulting into them as well. It's something that we don't do yet because I haven't got a vaulting coach, but perhaps one day. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's been a very big pleasure for me to have you here today. So thank you very much for coming. It's oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> very interesting to hear about it. So thank you and thank you all of you out there to be here and uh, see all these interviews. And I hope you want to subscribe because it would help me in the future to get more people in and interview. So thank you so much and uh, we'll see you again next week. Thank you.